that up on the screen in a second. For those of you who are, are watching by Facebook or by Encounter360.org or, or, or wherever you're watching or if you're listening by podcast later, we welcome you. Give them a hand clap of praise for showing up. There'll be some next week that, that look at this and we pray that it blesses them. If you could, if you could read along with us, uh, ready and read. Then the Lord said to him, go back by the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Haziel as king over Aram. You are also to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as a prophet. With the twelfth team, Elijah passed by him and threw uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Let's start reading right there. Verse 17. Yet Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Let's continue to read. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And we come to our text for today, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he found himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Hmm. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the other people, and they ate. Then he set up out of the to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now from that scripture, let's go one more. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to burn the plow. We're going to talk today about burning the plow. Let's pray. God, speak your servants. Listen. Help us, Lord God, speak what you would have to us. Speak a word and we will listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My brothers and sisters, we've been talking about a thought, the God of miracles. The God that is able, as according to Ephesians 3.20, able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. But many times we quote that scripture and there's a part we, le we leave off. Oftentimes we'll say God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, according to all that we ever ask or think. Many of us, that's our faith statement for the year. We're looking for great things and we're looking for the God of miracles, according to Isaiah 43 and 19. We're looking for somebody who can do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, according to all that we could ever what? ask or think, but we forget the end of the verse because the end of the verse says, according to the power that works in us, Amen. that faith without works is what? Dead, being alone. God is able to do anything, but he does it according to the power that is working in what? Us. So he is using us or utilizing us as we make ourselves available to him. 
to be able to change the world, to reach the lost, to teach the found, and to change the world one life at a time. God is calling us to do that. And the question is, will we commit to him to fully operate in the anointing that he has for our life? In the year 1519, on, on the shores of, of Mexico, there was a man by the name of Hernan Cortez. Hernan Cortez was a conqueror in the New World, and he came with many ships and 600 men to arrive in the New World. His job was to conquer the land which was in front of him. And when Hernan Cortez got off of the shore and he got all of his men off into the shore safely and got ready to conquer the land, it is said that he did something that was extremely peculiar. He turned around and gave the order for his men to burn their ships. They were far from home in Europe. They were months away from home and the comfort of home. And what he did would seem to arise ire among people because what he was saying is we came here to conquer and there is no plan B. Either we conquer or we die. Either we commit or we don't go at all. I am not giving us an excuse to quit and turn back. The Bible says that no man who has put his hand to the plow and turns back is worthy or fit for the kingdom. I've come to tell you that if you're going to achieve what God has for you in your life, it's time for you to burn your ships. It's time for you to burn your plow and to make a commitment and say it's all or nothing. Hallelujah. This morning, even though it seems that his actions may have been a bit draconian, I like what Cortez did, at least at this part, because there is an ember of truth in that method that until you overcome your excuses, I don't know if they put that on the screen, but I want them to put that up at the PowerPoint is there because I want us to read that. But I'll read it to you. It says until it's there. Let's read it together. Until you overcome your excuse to retreat on the inside, you will never conquer what is on the outside. Now, I want you to take out you and I want you to put a personal pronoun right there and put the word I there because you need to make it personal. Let's say it again. Until I overcome excuses to retreat on the inside, I will never conquer what is on the outside. I submit to you that the graveyard is the richest place in the world. You know why the graveyard is the richest place in the world? Because it, it's full of books and it's full of dreams and it's full of businesses and it's full of ministries that people declared that one day I'm going to do this, but they always found an excuse why they couldn't and they died with an anointing and a dream on their life that was never manifested because they always had an excuse on the inside. But I've come to tell you that if God's got something for your life, it's possible to die and not achieve everything God has for your life. Because until you overcome your excuse to retreat from what God is calling you to on the inside, you will never conquer what is on the outside. It is not life. It is not people holding us back. But most times the worst enemy is the one that's in me. The one that makes excuses for why I can't serve God. The one that makes excuses for why I can't pray. Uh, the one that makes excuses for why I can't come to church. It's amazing to me. And I'm not talking about this church, but if the shoe fits, just put it on and wear it with pride. But it's amazing. If you call in to work more than three times, you're fired. Why is it that it's okay to always call in to church? 
We'll go to work with a headache. We'll go to work with pain in our body, racking. But for some reason, the church should just understand why I can't serve. And I'm not saying anything here. We got good people that serve. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that our commitment level to Christ is not what we really think it is. And we're waiting for God to do some wonderful things in our life. But we're more committed to a job than we are to the service of the Lord. If you can't say amen. Hallelujah. See, in this text, we find Elisha. Elisha, who had had a prophetic mantle on his life. Elijah, who was a great prophet. And anybody who knows anything about the Bible knows about Elijah in the chariot of fire. Elijah, who was so powerful in the Lord that he was able to go to the weak king Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel and say, you think that the gods that you are serving are bringing the rain and you're serving these rain gods. But I've come to tell you that the Lord says, as the Lord God liveth, there shall be no more dew nor rain until I say there will be dew or rain and until he declared again there was no more rain in the sky. Elijah which was a mighty prophet known throughout the land. Elijah who faced off against 700 prophets of Baal. Elijah who took water and doused his sacrifice. Elijah who was bold enough to watch 700 prophets cut themselves and try to do all sorts of contortions to begin to bring down fire to their altar. Elijah who sat there and is really gangster because he's making fun of them while they're trying to make their God respond and saying, maybe your God's in the bathroom. That's what he said. Maybe he's on a journey somewhere. Maybe he can't work. Elijah, who hasn't been scared of anyone. Elijah, who calls down and fire comes down from heaven and gets onto a altar that has been doused with water and consumes it. Elijah, who God is walking with. But also the same Elijah who gets fear and depression in his heart and runs from the very Jezebel that he has defeated through her prophets. Elijah who is waiting for God to speak in his life. It is this Elijah he's getting ready to choose because of what God has told him. A successor for God and Elijah have been having a conversation. God is tired of the foolishness of Israel. God is tired of Israel not being committed. God is tired of Israel being half-hearted in their devotion. And so God says, it's time now, Elijah, for you to go because I am going to make a replacement. And he tells them that you are go out to go out and anoint new kings. And also there's a work that's going to go beyond you, Elijah. You're not going to finish the work. You're starting the work. So I want you to anoint Elisha as prophet over Israel. He will be the person that takes your place. God is talking about Elisha and Elisha has no idea. I've come to speak to somebody this morning by way of internet or by way of this building and let you know someone who feels like your dreams are dead and that you don't have any traction and that you're stuck in the mud and you feel like you're in a rut because of it. I don't want you to be discouraged because you may not know it, but God is having a conversation about you somewhere. <laughs> Although it may look like God's not moving in your life. Although it may not look like things are not manifested and promised like they need to be. I've come to let you know that you have never left the mind of God. 
You have never left the intent of God. You have never left the purpose and the plan of God for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have toward you. You may be feeling alone. You may be feeling like a failure, but I've come to tell you that God has you on his mind. <laughs> Some of the most impactful changes in our lives come in conversations that we know nothing about. God will give you favor with people that you don't even know. People that hear tell of what you've done. Come here, Joseph. Joseph is stuck in a prison, but yet when Pharaoh can't get his dream done and Joseph thinks he's been forgotten, all of a sudden we realize that somebody says, I know a man that can do the job. And at the right time, God flips the switch. I've come to tell you that if you are found faithful at the right time, when it's the right time, God will open up the bowels of his mercy. God will open up the windows of his heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't be able to receive. But I'm afraid many people will miss the blessing because when God pours it out the window, they won't be standing where he opened it up. Because they don't have the tenacity to stay and commit and to serve. They don't have the tenacity to show up and do it again. They don't have the tenacity to say, my head is bloody, but unbowed. They don't have the tenacity to say, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to show up again. They don't have the tenacity to say, I'm not doing this for people, and I'm going to show up week after week, even if the amount of people that I don't want to show up will show up. There are people all over giving up on ministry and giving up on blessings that God has for them because they don't have the tenacity, and when the Lord is ready to open Open the window. They have walked away. I've come to encourage you today. Don't walk away just because you don't see the conversation does not mean that God is not having it. God had already had a conversation with Elijah about what he was ready to do. He is working it out behind the scenes. I don't know who this is for this morning, but if it's you, give God a shout. Most times we're worried about the negative conversations going on about us in private rooms, but I've come to tell you that there are some private conversations that are not meant for your devolution but they're meant for your elevation and for some God is about to shift some things in your life God is about to move in a powerful way. God sends the prophet with a holy and a prophetic agenda to the field where Elisha is working Notice that Elisha is not loafing. Elisha is not on TikTok. He's not on Instagram. Elisha is not on Twitter. Elisha is not watching a series on Netflix and wasting all of his life away. Elisha is working. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you waiting on? I submit to you that when you search throughout the Bible, when God finds people to use, he finds people that are working. He went out and found a person that was busy persecuting and kill, killing Christians and said, he's busy. That's a guy I can use. I'm going to turn Saul into Paul and I can use him for my glory. He found people that were always busy doing something. He found Peter busy fishing and doing other things. And he said, come follow me. He found Matthew busy extorting people busy taking people's money and he said you know what he's got some good characteristics he may be a crook but I can work with him because he'll work Amen. God is waiting to work through you if you're willing to be available to him yeah. look at your other neighbor because that neighbor didn't like what you said and said what are you waiting on 
There's things in the church that need to be done in the, in the world that need to be done. There's people that need to be saved. And you go into places to eat every day. What are you waiting on to share the gospel? There are things in the church that need to be done. What are you waiting on? I'm waiting for somebody to ask me. Well, then God's never going to use you because God uses people that are working. God uses people that are busy doing something and he finds Elisha and Elisha is not loafing. Elisha is busy doing something. The Bible said that he is in the field. He does not have ministry on his mind. Elisha has a pretty good life because Elisha has 12 yokes of oxen, which means he has 12 yokes and one of them he's using, which means Elisha has employees and Elisha has 12 acres of land. And in an area that's filled with horticulture, it means Elisha is a wealthy man. Elisha has things going on. Elisha is doing good, not a care in the world. Elisha has his own plans for life. Elisha is affluent and he has resources. Elisha has options. Elisha can stay where he is and live a good life. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to know this. This is one of our PowerPoints for today, that God has anointing for your life that is going to take a deeper level of commitment and a bolder statement of faith. You can leave that up. Put that back up. I want them to see that in a second. We can go ahead and let that sink in because God has an anointing for your life that is going to take a deeper level of commitment. Are you happy with good or do you want great? Are you happy with a mediocre Christian life? Or you want something to the next level where God is getting ready to use me in a powerful way? Are you happy with just showing up on to church on Sunday morning? Or would you like to lay hands on the sick like the word said and they recover? Are you happy just showing up every now and then? Are you wanting God to use you in such a way that your voice will cry out and your voice will give worship and chains will be loose and demonic oppression will be overcome through worship because God is using your life? Hallelujah. God has an anointing for your life that's going to take a deeper level of commitment and a bolder statement of faith. It doesn't take anything to keep doing what's working. Your job's good. You got money. You got a nice house. You got a nice car. You got nice clothes. God doesn't need anything else for you to be committed in that. But God has something greater for you. And sometimes that may require you giving up your level of comfort. Can I submit to you why most people are never great? Because they are a friend of comfort and comfort and greatness don't get along. For if you want to be great, you can't be comfortable. The very nature of discomfort moves you to something greater. When you are discomfortable with the life that you are living and you're uncomfortable with the life you're living, conviction will make you push forward to something greater. Discomfort is actually your friend in many ways. Hallelujah. And we look at something that is phenomenal, that he walks by Elijah, Elijah does, and he does one simple thing. He drops a cloak on him. Now, people of that culture would know what he's saying is, I'm dropping my mantle on you. I am therefore picking you as my successor. And you would think that Elijah would sit, Elisha would sit and he would say, wait a minute, I got all this stuff going on and I got a 401k and I have all these other things. I don't have time for ministry. There's no money in ministry. There's no fame in ministry. There's no popularity in ministry. My life is doing good. But he says something. He says, just let me go tell my mama goodbye. 
He doesn't think a second thought. Hallelujah. Then he does something that is phenomenal. Hallelujah. It's important for you to know that some people move with whims and they're unstable. Because they're unsure of the call of God on their life. But not Elisha. Elisha knows that God has brought me this far. Elisha has sense. He knows that the ox and the cattle that I have, God is the one that gave them to me. The 12 acres that I have, God is the one that gave it to me. Somebody asked me the other day, why don't you talk about giving as much? I said, because you need to, nobody should have to pump you and prime you. If you know that God was the person that gave it to you, you nobody should have to beg you to give it back. Amen. With a grateful heart, you should give. Why? Because you realize that God is your source. Elisha does something that most of us would not do. Elisha would at least say, I'm going to be a prophet. I'm going to need a little money. Let me sell these cattle and things like that. But he takes his ox and he kills them and he slaughters them. And then the thing he was using to make a living with, he burns it and makes firewood and has a barbecue. And he feeds everybody in the village. Elijah burns his plow. Look at your neighbor and say, when you follow Christ, you've got to burn your plan B. I've come to tell you that the reason many people f won't follow Christ surely is because they always got a plan B on the side. They got an excuse waiting in their back pocket for why they can't do this or why they can't do that. And they are being robbed of an opportunity that God has for them. That's why in America, divorce rates are high because people are always looking for a plan B. We get married with prenups because we're looking for a plan B. We go in looking for the exit. We do just like I do. I'm a father and a protector and a husband. When I walk into a place of business and we're going to a restaurant, the first thing I do is I never sit with my back to the door and I look for every exit in case something needs to happen. And most of us, that's how we approach life and our Christian journey. We come in looking for an exit. There are people that have gifts to sing and to pray and to lead and they don't lead in church because they come in looking for an exit. There are people who have ministries that are outside the four walls of the church, but they won't commit to Christ because they are looking for an exit. In America, divorce rates are high and marriage rates are low. Why? Because I'd rather shack up with you than make you an honest woman. Because I'm scared of commitment. And when I die, you won't get anything or any of my assets. I got all the benefits, but you get none of the blessings. Because you allowed me to be scared of commitment. We only pick uh, subscriptions that we can cancel at any time. Nobody likes a contract. We're non-committal people. Consistent church attendance and membership in America is down. You know why? Because we have people that will not commit to Christ and the service to Christ. There are some people that need online church. I'm thankful for those people that watch every week. I'm thankful for those people who are in, even in other states that cannot attend here, but yet they come week after week and they, they, they listen to the word and they worship along with us across the way. But there are people right now that have pastors that are struggling and those pastors are waiting 
for their members to come back to church. They can go to the stadium. They can go to Walmart. They can go to Sam's Club. They can go anywhere to get anything that they want. But somehow they flip a fear switch when it comes to coming to the house of God and worshiping. And they don't have an immune disease like some people do and that have legitimate reasons why they may not need to come among a bunch of, bunch of people. All they have is a spirit of non-committance and a spirit of laziness. And it's not hurting the church. God's church will survive. It is hurting them because that's what the enemy wants. The enemy is after your commitment to God. He doesn't care about you. Why do you think a third of the angels of heaven left? Why? Because the enemy doesn't mind you being involved. Let's read that together. I like that. Let's read it. The enemy does not mind you being involved as long as you are not committed. He don't mind you coming to church every other Sunday, but don't you dare come every week. Don't you dare start cleaning the church or serving or getting on, on, on some committee. Don't you dare start being faithful to church. He doesn't mind you coming because you're ineffective when you come in and out like that. You're not really helping anybody else and you're wasting your time. He doesn't mind that. But oh, when you start being committed, you'll find out that hell will start to raise in your life and your kids will start acting crazy and your boss will say you got to work a little extra overtime. And what we do many times is we bend and bow to the pressure instead of saying, I'm going to be committed to Christ. And we lose the blessing that God has for us. It has become natural to expect a benefit without bearing a burden. <laughs> because I submit to you this morning that when Elisha took that mantle, he wasn't just looking for a benefit. He had to bear the burden of a prophet. There's a burden that comes with ministry. There's a heaviness that comes with ministry, and God will help you to bear that. But when you come to Christ, your life is not always peaches and cream. Sometimes you're going to have to cry. Sometimes you're going to have to be discouraged. Sometimes you're going to have to do like David and encourage yourself. But we have to be, if God is calling the church at large to be what we're called to be, we've got to quit looking for benefits without expecting to help bear the burden. The enemy doesn't mind you being involved as long as you're not committed. As long as you don't help the, the, the ministry get traction wherever you serve. He doesn't mind it. As a matter of fact, he enjoys it because the Bible says this, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. He laughing, watching you lie to yourself. Going around in cycles, won't be committed. This time you hear, this time you got an excuse. That time you hear, that time you have an excuse. And you can't get any traction. How do I know? Come here, James. James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then he said that man can receive nothing from the Lord. You're not receiving the blessing that God has for you because you're unstable and you will not commit to anything, America. God is looking for us. To be committed. Yes, the plan of God for your life is less about the benefit and more about the burden. 
Leadership is less about what you will get and more for what you require to do. There's a heavy burden in leadership and you should not ever go into leadership or anything into Christianity unless you count up the cost. Jesus said, what man will build a building except they first count up the cost? And Jesus says it this way, if any man will come after me, he must first what? Deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Not when he gets ready, not when he has a cold, not when he has a headache but he says follow me daily he doesn't give an excuse or a doctor's note what he says is, if you're going to follow me you've got to be committed to me every single day you can't be committed to prayer in and out you've got to be committed to prayer every single day you've got to be committed to the word and to devotion every single day if you want consistent results you need to start giving consistent habits Hallelujah. Everybody wants the anointing, but you don't realize that the anointing carries a burden with it. When you look in the Bible, they talk about the olive as the anointing and, and people anoint with olive oil. We still do that today. But do you not know that the only way to get the oil from the olive is to crush it? If there is no crushing, there is no anointing. People want to preach like you or people want to serve like you and do all sorts of things like you. But what they really don't know is they really don't want it. Because if they knew what it took to get to that level, they wouldn't be asking what they ask. Because whom too much is given, much is required. And if you're going to want to be used mightily for God, you might have to suffer mightily for God. I love you guys. You're my con congregation and I can preach hard and you won't get mad at me so I can say what other pastors want to say, but they're scared to say. And maybe they can direct other people to it because you, we, we get along good here and we do great. And I can tell you the truth that many of us do not get to where we need to be because we will not commit to God. And we want a huge anointing with no effort at all. We don't want to give up anything for the blessing. You have to burn your plan B. There is a burden, but there is also a blessing, and you cannot fully realize the blessing God has for you until you, number one, submit, and then commit. Some of us can't commit because we haven't been honest with ourselves. We're not fully submitted. I, I don't want to give up control of my life. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do. But if God's going to use you, you got to submit to him. You can't, you're having trouble with committing because you have a problem with submitting. And submitting is not a biblical word that fits just the females. It fits males, too, because the Bible says that we must submit. You need to, if you're a man, you need to submit to Christ. You need to get your macho and your ego out of the way. You don't do what you want to do when you want to do it. You belong to Christ. You do what he says to do when he says to do it. Or else you don't realize it's not you that has the strength to get in that job. It's not you that's providing for you. It's God himself that is providing for you. You are not the provider for your family. God is the provider for your family. It is God that gives it and God can. 
We're grateful that we have a loving father that doesn't give us what we deserve. We're grateful that we have grace uh, uh, that God gives us. Even sometimes when we falter and we fail, where would we be without the grace of God? But we need to get back to the truth that we need to submit and commit. Somebody say submit and commit. Now point to yourself. Don't tell your neighbor. That's the problem. We tell our neighbor too much instead of telling ourselves. Point to yourself and say, I need to submit. And I need to commit. Today we're encouraging you to receive the anointing that is waiting to be released in your life. Today I want to give you some introspective thought that would allow us to really examine why we have trouble burning the plow. Why we have trouble committing to Christ. Why we can commit for a few days or a few weeks and then we're right back to the same old habits. I, I know they put those up there. Number A is going to be up there and I want us to all read that. Let's read it together. What does it say? We value what other people want for our life and we are constantly trying to conform to standards set by others. That's why you can't burn the plow. You can't follow the path that God has for you because you're trying to follow the path that everybody else has for you. Everybody else says that you should live this way and you should do this and you go to church too much. You becoming a Jesus freak. You should do this. When we submit to what the world says and God can't bless you. Real men, men don't sit up in church all day. Real men do. Fake men sit at the house and make excuses for why they can't come and send their kids. That's what fake men do. Real men bring their kids to church. They don't send them. Real men lead their, their family in worship at home. They don't wait for pastors to do what they're supposed to do. They're the pastors of their own houses. Wow. They lead by example. But because we're worried that the fellas may tell us we, we get in church too much or that our family who's really not as committed to Christ tells us we're doing too much, we pull back. I'm not telling you not to have a balanced life, but we do know we could do more for Christ. And we don't because we're worried about what everybody else would think. What if Elisha had a said, I can't go because people are going to say I'm foolish. He gave away a business. He gave away a farm and everything else to follow God. Now he broke, busted, and disgusted. If he'd have been worried about what everybody else said, there wouldn't have been the miracles that he created, that God created through him. Rather, I've come to tell you that there are people's blessings that are locked up in your obedience, and they're not being blessed because you are not being obedient. That God wants to use you to do some things. But you got to be obedient to him. We're often living in other people's dreams because we don't have the faith to live our own. God has given somebody in this building or on this podcast a, a business or a dream. And the reason you're not living it is because you, you like the security of a job. I'm not telling everybody to quit their job because if God don't tell you to do that, you're going to be broke. But if God is telling you and putting on your heart, I have something for you and you don't do it, you won't do it because you're busy making somebody else's dream come true and ignoring the God who's trying to make yours come true. 
worried about what other people think. We're working at other people's job, knowing God has a business he's called us to. Not everyone is called to entrepreneurship, but if God is calling you to ministry, if God is calling you to something, stop worrying about what other people will say about you. I know people who looked at me strange to leave a job in a nice house and all the other stuff and my wife to quit her job to go to a thousand miles to a place that we hadn't seen. It doesn't look like it makes sense, but when you know God is calling you to do something and faith will cause you to move. Yes, we're still walking by faith that God will make a way if you would just put your foot outside the boat. When you put it down, you'll find out somehow the water is holding you up. Why won't you walk by faith? Why won't you trust God? Three years and through ups and downs, good times and tough times, and yet God has never failed me yet. I've come to tell you, I'm not telling you to do something that I haven't done myself. I'm telling you that if you'll step out on faith, God will transform your life. Don't spend all your life giving up to others' expectations. Elisha decided that expectations weren't enough to keep him from what God wanted. People will keep you in their box of their comfort zone of what they think you should do and where they think you should live and what they think you should have. And because you, you're too worried about what other people think, you live lower than what God has for you. God had a bigger house for you, but you're scared they're going to call you sedity and stuck up. God had a better job for you. And people said, well, you got a good job. How dare you think you could go out and start a business, just do a regular job and be, just be a regular person like everybody else. I'm not regular. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a unique plan for my life. And I'm not going waste my life living somebody else's plan for he knows the plan that he has for me and when he tells me and I know it's him I'm going to burn the plow and I'm not going to look back let's go to B because I'm running out of time let's go to B hallelujah what's the second reason we don't burn the plow we're scared of success and we're scared of failure. Some of us have never seen success. And so we don't burn the plow because if we did what God was calling us to do, it would take us to a level in which we had never been before. And if he takes us to a level that we've never been before, then we're scared because we're scared we'll fail because we've never been there before and we don't know what to do. So we make every excuse why we don't do what we do. Some of you noticed Victor was on the praise team today. Victor didn't get a choice. I just pulled him and told him, today's your day. Victor even tried to get out of it today. Victor's been sitting up here singing good for years and, and, and hiding in the shadows. And even the, he, he tried to pull another one. And he said, hey, uh, could I just start next week? I said, no, <laughs> you start this week. It's time for you to do what God is calling you to do. And Victor did it. And Victor's doing a great job. And Liz and all the people that are back and, and, and Nana and all, all the people, we're grateful for all the people. It takes all of us. But some of us, some people stay in a small church because they're scared. They don't know how to operate in the big one. They like the small side. They like the comfort. And therefore, they don't want to add more people to the ministry. But God wants people saved, but they won't do it because they are scared and they care more about their comfort than God's calling. Wow. That doesn't mean God has called every church to be a mega church. But some churches can be bigger than they are and more evangelistic than they are, but they've gotten comfortable and they're scared of success. 
And some of them won't try because they're scared of failure. Failure is the best blessing you could have in your life because the only way you fail is if you don't learn from your mistakes and you don't try again. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but what makes him righteous is that he gets back up and he gets back in line and he does it again. Somebody said, do it again. Somebody is scared of what others will think if you don't make it. If I get out there and then I go back to living the life I love, I, 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 I never make it. So then I'm going to go ahead and quit. So they self-sabotage themselves as a defense mechanism to cover their own insecurities. And God has a double anointing and locked up for Elisha. Elijah would do twice the miracle that Elijah did, but he had to get out and step out on faith. And do something that he'd never done before. He was good at behind the oxen, but he'd never been a prophet. May I submit to you that in the next season of your life, God may be calling you to do something that you've never done before. Don't allow your fear of success or your fear of failure to keep you from it. Something either fuels your inaction or your action. Whether you're moving or you're not, there's a reason why. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. It has something to do with what's on the inside of you. Let's go to see. Hallelujah. Let's read this together. Comfort is killing your come up. Let's say it again. We're going to say that three times. Somebody needs to hear that. Comfort is killing your come up. Say it one more time. Comfort is killing your come up. The young folks like that. Being a prophet was not as easy as what he did. But it was what God wanted him to do. Some people struggle with following Christ because they are expert sinners and it requires no expertise at doing what they do because they're good at it. And if they give their lives fully to Christ, that means they have to go and submit to a whole nother lifestyle, try to find a new way to live, have new rules to look at and, 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 and be bold enough to let the Holy Spirit tell them what they can and cannot do through their heart and through the bowels of the word. And it's just so much easier to go back to my own own vomit, as the Bible would say, like a dog to his own vomit and stay in the mire and the pit of sin than it is to be bold enough to say, today is the day that I make a change. Some people struggle with following Christ for those reasons. I ask you a question. Are you struggling with your commitment to Christ? Are you going back and forth between commitment today and non-commitment tomorrow? Are you finding excuses for why you can't serve. The reason you can't serve is not because of the people over you. It's not because of the leadership. It's not because of the person that's over your group or the person that's over your ministry. It has nothing to do with who's in charge. It has to do with who's in charge of you. Why won't you burn the plow? God has called us to do three things as, as we get ready to close today. Elisha made a decision, a decision that would eventually release a double portion of anointing in his life. What do you mean? That Elisha was so committed to God 
that he followed Elijah around. And when it was time for Elijah to drop the mantle, Elijah tried to make him stop. He said, if you see me when I'm taking up, <laughs> then you can have a double portion of my anointing. And Elijah went to a city and he told Elijah, OK, that's far enough. You've gone far enough. You can stop right here. And Elijah said, mm -mm, I'm not stopping right there. Elijah kept going with him and he went to another city and he said, OK, that's good. You can stop right here. He said, mm -mm, you're not going. I haven't seen you take up. I'm not going to stop there. And he said, OK, I'll go to another city. And if you stop here, he said, this is a good place for you to stop. And Elisha would not stop following Elijah. You know why? Because he'd given up everything to follow him. And when you give up everything to follow Christ, you are committed to him. The reason people aren't committed to Christ the way they need to be is because they really haven't given up everything. But when you give up everything to follow Christ, you realize what you paid to follow him and there is no turning back. Hallelujah. There is no turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. I burn the plow. Is there anybody else in here who's deciding today that I'm going to burn the plow, that I'm going to make a commitment to Christ, and I'm going to burn my excuses, I'm going to burn my insecurities, I'm going to burn my reasons that I can't, and only look for reasons that I can't. Is there anybody in here that will raise your hand and attest today that I'm ready to burn? the plow I'm ready to follow Jesus all the way not part of the way not half of the way but all of the way 